good to see you. It's good to worship with you this morning at WPC. Today we are concluding our series for the month um, that has been entitled Roadblocks to Gratitude. So far we've, we've talked about the roadblocks of nostalgia and entitlement. Uh, today we kind of get to the roadblock that's, I might say, the most on the nose uh, as far as something that keeps us from living lives of gratitude. And that's greed. To explore this, we're going to explore. Uh, we're going to dive into a passage from the gospel that might be familiar to you, of Jesus in the temple talking with some religious leaders about money and taxes. I invite you to listen now with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the twenty-second chapter of Matthew's gospel, beginning with the fifteenth verse. And the Pharisees went and plotted to entrap him in what he said. So they sent their disciples to him, along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are sincere, and teach the way of God according with truth, and show deference to no one, for you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And he said to him, Whose head is this and whose title? They answered, The emperor's. Then he said to them, Give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, and they left him and went away. Friends, this is the word of the Lord, and thanks be to God. Well, sports fans, it's that time of year when we have seemingly every sport going on at once. We're well into football season, but it's still baseball season, too, believe it or not. It's like nine months out of the year. And we're close to the World Series now, and I got to watch a little bit of the playoffs this week, and uh, got me thinking my old glory days as a really bad Little League player. In particular, I remember a time where I was caught in what baseball players would call a pickle. We're caught between two bases. The other team has the ball, and they're throwing it back and forth trying to catch you. You either have to outmaneuver them with speed or outsmart them with your mind, and I, I wasn't gifted in either of those as a child. So you can tell where the story goes. They eventually caught me, and I was out. But I was stuck in that moment, in a no-win situation, it seemed like, between a rock and a hard place. It seemed like there was no way out. That's kind of the situation Jesus is encountering in um, in our reading today. We pick up exactly where we left off, the very next verse of where we left off last week with that difficult parable of the wedding feast. This is the third of, of, of the set of three difficult parables Jesus teaches in the temple in Jerusalem. Religious leaders of all sorts are, are overhearing this, and as much difference as they have with one another, they all agree this guy is trouble. And so they come together and form alliances to try to catch him, or the gospel said, to entrap him. In our reading today, we hear about two groups, the Pharisees and the Herodians. 
Now, these are unlikely allies, to say the least. So a little context for you. At this time, Rome is the occupying empire of, of Judea, uh, where the gospel's situated. As such, they, they oversaw everything and uh, uh, enforced taxes and all sorts of stringent measures on the folks. Um, the Jewish people at this time, in, in different groups, had um, different understandings of what this meant or how good this was. The Herodians were perfectly okay with this. After all, there's not a whole lot we know about the Herodians except that they were loyal to King Herod, who was basically the puppet ruler of, of Judea, placed by Rome. So the Herodians are, are uh, seemingly okay with Roman rule. While the Pharisees, they certainly aren't monolithic, but they're a little more resistant to Rome. Some, a lot, some pretty bluntly, some more mildly or subtly. But the Pharisees had more trouble with Rome. So together they come to Jesus to pose a question. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? They say this in the context of being in the temple, being in the place, uh, in God's house. This is a no-win situation for Jesus. If he says, yes, it is unlawful to pay taxes to the emperor, the Herodians could accuse him of sedition, making him liable to be arrested or worse by Rome. If he says, no, it's not lawful to pay taxes to the emperor, the Pharisees can accuse him of blasphemy, of, of, um, of, of being a hypocrite himself. It's a no-win situation. Somehow, Jesus finds a way through, though. He says, give me the coin. They give him a denarius. First, I, I want to pause for a moment. With the Pharisees being critical of Rome, asking a Pharisee to pull a Roman coin out of their pocket would have been very embarrassing for that Pharisee among his friends. For a Pharisee to have Roman currency in his pocket and to show that, uh, that would have been, to say the least, a little embarrassing. So they show him a denarius, and, and they, then Jesus says, whose head is on this and whose title? The answer is obvious. The emperors. Jesus says, fittingly, give to the emperor what belongs to the emperor. Give to God what belongs to God. A powerful two-part statement. Let's, we're going to spend more time on the second half, but the first part, give to the emperor what belongs to the emperor. He's actually just rehashing um, Roman tax policy. So it's believed in, in this time of, of the Roman Empire that everything belonged to Caesar. So paying your taxes was a way of giving Caesar back what's his anyways. So Jesus is just rehashing that. So that second part, though, give to God what belongs to God. He finds this way out of a no-win situation and stumps both the Pharisees and the Herodians and finds a way through. They're stuck on taxes, but Jesus is hinting at something else, something bigger, something deeper. Yet they can't see it. Sadly, many of us miss it as well. I know I have. So our roadblock today that we're talking about is greed. Greed. Every time I say that word, I can't help but think of uh, Gordon Gecko from the Wall Street movie, where his, his iconic line rings through my head, greed is good. 
Y'all were hesitant to say it, weren't you? (laughs) We're hesitant to say that, but in our minds, we know it's at least a little bit true. After all, the world in which we live is built upon greed. Many of us are employed because of greed. It's the thing that keeps the system in which we live running. And it's founded upon, I'm not an economist, that's more of uh, an armchair uh, hobby of mine, but uh, the the system that we're um, founded upon is rooted in a, a concept known as scarcity, as in there's not enough. Because there's not enough, that makes things more valuable. That makes people... Uh, cling to what they have, but also makes people want more. Makes people want better, makes people want newer, and so on. Greed is the byproduct of scarcity. And it's easy to see how, taken to an nth degree, it can become a roadblock to gratitude. Greed can make us think that everything that we have, we deserve, for one, but it also makes us think because there might not be enough that we want more. We want better, we want newer, we want it all to ourselves. It turns uh, our way of thinking into a zero-sum game of winners and losers. And I think it also keeps us from understanding this parable, or sorry, this, this teaching of Jesus in the temple. We get so stuck on that first part, give to the emperor what belongs to the emperor, we forget this really profound thing he says next. Give to God what belongs to God. I I think the church, and I, I know I'm guilty of this as well, has been so stuck on whenever we hear this passage in church, we have to talk about taxes and all of that. But we miss the bigger Part, the second part, give to God what belongs to God. In truth, friends, this passage isn't really about taxes at all. Jesus does teach about taxes in Matthew's gospel several chapters back and says, yeah, pay your taxes. But this isn't about that. It's about something else, something bigger and deeper to the very core of who we are, but we miss it. It's helpful to know, too, that talking about this tax that the the Herodians and Pharisees are asking about, it isn't fair at all to compare it to what we think about taxes today. After all, this is a tax that's levied by an occupying foreign government on on a people. It's not a tax paid to elected officials to to make laws and to to make our our community and and nation a safer place. No, this this is an oppressive tax. And not just an oppressive tax, one that's levied upon a people making them use Roman coins, Roman currency. It's, it's equally a form of propaganda as well as oppression to the people of first century Judea. I want to return to um, the first question Jesus asks once he has that coin in hand. Remember what he says? Whose head is on that What's their title? That word in Greek, when he says, whose head is it? it, He says, what icon is on that? Whose image, whose likeness is on this coin? Obviously, the emperor's. Give to the emperor the things that bear the emperor's likeness. 
likeness, his image. Give to God the things that bear God's image. Give to God the things that bear God's likeness. Speaking to a group of faithful Jewish folks, they would know exactly what he's talking about as he says that. And our children, our children got that when I said it to them. Who bears God's image? All of us. All of us are lovingly created in God's image. We're, we're given the divine breath at creation. God breathes into the first humans, bringing them to life. We bear God's image. And as such, we belong to God. When read this way, it's almost a pretty subversive thing Jesus says. Let the emperor have his cute little coins. But not you. Not us. We belong to God. Powerful statement, friends. You know, since we bear God's image, each of us bears God's image, it reframes everything for us of who we are and how we are to live. I want to talk about three things briefly that it, um, I, I think it reframes as uh, in that they're particularly helpful in, in overcoming this roadblock of greed. The first thing it reframes is our sense of loyalty and allegiance. I know I'm, I'm a pretty typical suburban dad, and so when I'm driving my minivan and see our, our fellow minivan drivers, uh, many of us have bumper stickers and magnets and things on our car saying what school our, our kids go to, what soccer team they're on, what our alma mater is, what um, some of us are our favorite political candidates or, or um, restaurants and so on. I always think about this when I think about allegiances and, and the way we align ourselves with different people and groups. This passage reframes that dramatically. It's not that it's bad to have these, these interests and alliances. It's not bad to have a favorite sports team or anything like that. I'm, I'm as guilty of that as anyone. That's not the issue. But what it's saying is, what Jesus is saying here, is that our first allegiance is to God alone. You are not your sports team. You're not your alma mater. You're not your kid's soccer team. No, you belong to God. You bear God's image. It's a powerful thing to be reminded of, right? Okay, so since we're talking about money, we have to also talk about how what Jesus says here reframes our understanding of giving. If we bear God's image, we belong to God. How can we give of ourselves to God? The typical way the church has talked about this, and we're, we're just getting ready to, to enter into stewardship season again. I know I'm a little bit early. But the typical way we talk about this, um, as far as stewardship goes, is giving of our time, our talent, and our treasure to God. What Jesus says here reframes all three of these dramatically helps us see it differently, to see that everything we have and everything that we are, in fact, belongs to God. How can we give of these things to God from our very core, from our very selves, as a way of gratitude, as a way of expressing our love and appreciation and joy for what God is up to in our lives and in our world? Okay, so... What Jesus says not only reframes our idea of allegiance and loyalty, 
as well as giving, there's one more I want to touch on briefly. That is our differences. If each of us, all people, bear God's image and we all belong to God, it makes all the things in the world we disagree about seem pretty petty, doesn't it? If we all bear God's image, this, and we all belong to God and are supposed to give of our very selves to God, this challenges us to see across the dividing lines in our world, to find ways to reach out in love and friendship and unity, to find ways to reconcile with those whom we disagree. Reminded, remembering that we all belong to God, that we are all beloved children of God together. Friends, in our passage, Jesus finds himself in a pickle, in a no-win situation, to be sure. But he finds a profound way out of it to not only uh, to, to teach us about who we truly are as God's children. And in doing so, reframes our understanding of allegiance, of giving, and of our differences to see that we are all beloved children of God, that we belong to God, that we bear God's image May we be strengthened by that reminder today, friends. May we go out sharing that and living that. May we be reminded of that in the world as we try to see the image of God in one another, living lives of gratitude, of love, and joy together. Amen.